0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis.
1: The title of today's message is The Haves and the Have-Nots. Cervantes, the author of Don Quixote, said, There are only two families in the world, as my grandfather mine used to say, the haves and the have-nots. Earl Wilson said, Nowadays, people can be divided into three classes the haves the have nots and the have not paid for what they have <laughs> I'm going to read you a few verses here pretty quickly and then we'll turn to some in a minute Proverbs 22:2 says this the rich and the poor have this in common the Lord is the maker of them all and as we get into this today let me tell you kind of where we're going One of the tragedies in my mind, we can be a multicultural church, we can be multi-anything, but one of the problems I think in the church in America, especially today, is that we have segregated ourselves on the basis of nothing but economics. And rich people gather. It could be rich black people, it could be rich white people, it could be rich Mexican people, but we say, okay, well, I'm not just black, but I'm rich black and I don't want to be with a poor black up in the hood someplace, so I'm going to start a church or go to a church where they're like me. And I don't have to mess with those poor black people or poor white people, rich white people. And then certain people, especially in this city, but I think it's any city, they say, well, you don't understand, we live in a neighborhood where there are only rich white people. And I say, you know what? You are surrounded by poor people. You cannot be on the planet at some place and not find poor people. And even if you are surrounded by rich people, and that's what you are, there ought to be a place, and it's called church, where everybody ends up together. And I'll read you some verses to back this up in a minute. Church is not about segregating people for any reason. It's about gathering people around one reason, and that's the pursuit of Jesus Christ, if you know him or if you don't know him, to find out who he is and what he can do in and through your life. So rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. You jump over to Luke chapter 4. Jesus goes into Nazareth, his hometown. He goes into Nazareth and he goes into the temple, into the synagogue there. And he's handed the book of Isaiah and he's about to speak. And of all the places he'd go in Isaiah and he starts in verse 18. And look what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And look at the first thing he says. To preach the gospel to the poor right off the bat. Jesus, in his hometown, explained to them what is happening, and then he reads the rest of the passage and says in verse 21, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This passage in Isaiah was talking about Jesus coming, and Jesus says, I've read it to you. I am the one that was to come. I am Messiah. But the first thing he mentions is that he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Romans chapter 15, verses 25 and following Paul says here, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It didn't mean everybody in Jerusalem was poor, but among the saints in Jerusalem, there were poor people. It pleased them indeed that they are their debtors, for the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things. Their duty is also to minister to them in material things. In Galatians chapter two, nine to 10, it says, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Then verse 10, they desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Don't forget the poor. What about the poor? Now, let me read you something off of worldbank.org. Understanding poverty. What is poverty? Poverty is hunger. Poverty is lack of shelter. Poverty is being sick and not able to see a doctor. Poverty is not having access to school and not knowing how to read. Poverty is not having a job, is fear for the future, living one day at a time. Poverty is losing a child to illness brought about by unclean water. Poverty is powerlessness, lack of representation, and freedom. Wikipedia.org, kind of an encyclopedia on the web, says this, the Copenhagen Declaration describes absolute poverty as, quote, a condition characterized by severe deprivation of basic human needs, including food, safe drinking water, sanitation facilities, health, shelter, education, and information. The World Bank identifies extreme poverty as being people who live on, now listen to this, people who live on less than one U.S. dollar a day and poverty as less than two dollars a day. Can you live on less than one dollar a day? If that's all you've got, you are extremely poor. Now the challenge in even giving this message and talking about this is that most people in America don't even fall in these categories. But poverty is all relative. You say, well, I might not be poor in Africa, but I'm poor here, and what do I do about that? On that standard, 21% of the world's population was in extreme poverty, and more than half the world's population were poor in 2001. Here are the causes of poverty. Poverty has been attributed to individual or pathological causes, which see poverty as the result of the behavioral Choices or abilities of the poor. It can be familial causes, which attribute poverty to upbringing. Subcultural causes, which attribute poverty to common patterns of life learned or shared within a community. Agency causes, which see poverty as the result of the actions of others, including war, government, and the economy. Or structural causes, which argue that poverty is a result of the social structure. Now, I say this is where I live now. I may move out of there one day. I live a few blocks from here, and I jokingly say to people I live up in the hood, and that's where I live. I don't live in a hard place, I don't live in an uncomfortable place, it's got barbed wire, I'm fairly safe with my kids there. But you know what? I am subjected every day of my life to the reality, and predominantly in the street I go up and down through my neighborhood of black men and women on the street, crack addicts, drug dealers, mostly crack addicts, almost trapped in a system and in a place that they cannot get out of. And I drive through there in my nice air-conditioned car and I come back through and supposedly I live up in the hood to try to change things. You know what? I don't think I've changed very much except that God is changing me a little bit and keeping me aware that there is another world. I'm not anti, I've looked at homes in the suburbs out in east and north and south. I've gone and driven all these nice pretty neighborhoods. You know the danger of that is that you can so tunnelize yourself. You jump on a toll road. You know what, I finally figured out what a toll tag is. I don't even have to interact with the toll booth person anymore. You can get in your car, in your garage, at your office, and get on the toll road, walls up the sides, never see, think about anybody, take your exit, go in your street, in your alley, in your garage, shut the door and not mess with anybody, and you forget there's a world out there, and you pick and choose where you go, and you forget the poor, and then you end up in a church, and there's nothing but people like you, and you forget the poor. And then you turn your TV on like I do, and I've got the remote going, and it stops on a channel, and some starving child's face, and they're asking for food, and I am out of there as fast as I can find the button. Because I don't want to see starving children, because I don't want to send money, because I'm not going to do anything about that. You say, Well, you're cold hearted. No, I'm just like you. Continuing out of wikipedia.org, poverty is a highly political issue. Listen to this. People with right-wing views often see it as related to laziness, a lack of family planning, or too much interference of government. That's how you explain poverty away. They're just lazy. People with left-wing views see it more in terms of social justice and lack of opportunity and education. Now, let's address the lazy thing first of all. You know what? Not everybody that's poor is lazy. You can work your butt off one, two, three jobs and still not have enough to keep the doors open. Let me give you some props. Anybody know what this is? It's a pink sheet of paper from TXU Electric. Disconnection notice. You know what? Some people get these all the time. You know why? Because they're lazy and they don't work? Absolutely not. You know why they get these? They're busting it. They're juggling. You say, well, you just need to have a budget. You run some numbers on what it takes to keep a family, a man and a woman, both of them working with three kids, a house, light, school, everything going for minimum wage. You say, well, they ought to get an education, get a better job. And what are you going to do to help them do that? It's too late for that. And they scramble and they scrape and they go without and laugh as a family and try to do the best they can. Do not sit in your little tower with your money and point fingers and say, Bunch of lazy people, that's why their lights are being turned off. You don't have to be lazy to be poor. Don't just speak your little pat answers over people when you don't know their situation. And if you'd bother to find out their situation, your heart might be touched and you say, You know what, i got to do something about that. You know why you don't want to be around poor people? Because you don't want to do anything about their problems. Because it might cost you. But you know what's going to cost us? If we don't do something, that's what's going to cost us. Because you miss out on the pleasure. The book doesn't say it's more blessed to give than to receive for nothing. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. You don't work, you don't eat. That's what the Bible says. But if you're working, you ought to be eaten, And part of our job is to help you do that. All right, now turn to some passages. 1 Samuel chapter 2. let's see what he says in the Old and New Testament about the poor, and I'll try to do this quick, but here we go. Verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. Psalm 41. Verse one, blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Now listen to this. This is what the book says about you who consider the poor. It didn't talk about the poor. It's about you who take care of the poor. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. There is something tied to your blessing and your life by just taking care of poor people psalm 82 verse 1 and following god stands in the congregation of the mighty he judges among the gods how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked defend the poor and fatherless do justice to the afflicted and needy deliver the poor and needy free them from the hand of the wicked proverbs chapter 10 verse 4 he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Again, referring back to being willing to work. Proverbs 13, 7 and 8. There is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. Proverbs 19, verse 15 and following. Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will die. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. If you're going to underline something, underline verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. You think, well, I'm going to lend you some money. You know what? You're lending God some money. And he will pay back what he has given. You say, well, I'm losing all my money giving to the poor. You know what? There's a whole other economy. And in God's economy, you can't outgive God. He's got a great bookkeeper up there. Proverbs 21:13, "Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard." Proverbs 29, 7, the righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. Proverbs thirty seven and following, two things I request of you, he says here, deprive me not before I die, remove falsehood and lies far from me, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Just give me enough. Why do you think he taught us to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. You think, oh, what a cute prayer. I got more than I need. For a lot of people, if not most people on the planet, it's about daily bread. It's breakfast, if there is such a thing. It's lunch, finding that. It's just one meal per day. Isaiah chapter 41, 17 and following. The poor and needy seek water, but there is none. Their tongues fail for thirst. I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. And then on down in verse 20, that they may see and know, he's going to listen to them and answer them, why? That they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. Now, if some poor person in some part of the world is crying out to God for help and he hears them, he can either drop man out of the sky or he can send it through somebody like us. Every once in a while, somebody shows up and says, well, you don't have any buildings and blah, 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 blah. You know what? I don't want any buildings. If we're going to raise money, let's raise it to do something that will matter forever. Let's feed some people. Let's help some people. Let's do something in Jesus' name that'll last forever. I'm not anti-buildings. I'm not in the barn business. I'm in the sheep business. Isaiah 58. Now, this is a whole nother deal we're going to right now. If you haven't liked it so far, you're going to hate this. Verse 6. The context is here fasting, okay? Now, listen to this. And God says to them, is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not? Now, why would you fast? He gives them one of the reasons here is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and hide not yourself from your own flesh. Why would you fast? And you say, well, man, I don't have to fast. I'll just give money. You know what? There are people who don't have enough, so they withhold. They say, you know what, God? I'm going to fast, and the food that I would have eaten, the money that I would have spent, I'm going to fast so that I can help the poor. What a wild concept. Think of what we spend on Starbucks alone, for God's sake. Fast Starbucks for a week or two or three. We have support groups for those people that do that. We think nothing to going to Starbucks and getting, as my daughter calls it, a crappuccino. And three bucks later, you know, you add that up over a week or something, 30 days of crapuccinos is a lot of jack. And if you go on and read Isaiah 58, he says these things will happen. And then look at verse 8. When you do these first things, then your light shall break forth like the morning. It uncorks some stuff if you stop and say, okay, God, I'm willing to stop and pray and give up whatever I got to get up for my own benefit, as it turns out. And you'll have to read that on your own later in Isaiah 58. I'm going to go these fast. Mark chapter 12. Jesus sitting across the treasury in verse 41. A poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had, her whole livelihood. You know, it's interesting. The less you got, the easier it is to give everything. The more we get, the harder it is to let go of it. Well, that's my favorite, you know, whatever. Your favorite what? Look at this about throwing a party. You want to throw a party? Jesus tells you how to throw a party. Luke 14, 12. Then he also said to them who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you being repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Throw a party for those people, see what happens. We're not throwing a party for them. We don't want them in our house. Well, I invited you to my party. Am I on your list now? You gotta invite me to your party now. And we're just going back and forth. Invite somebody who can't do anything for you. 1 Corinthians 13, part of that chapter, he says in verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, on the flip side of this, you give all your stuff away to feed the poor and it's not done out of love, it doesn't do you any good. So don't be saying, well, I, I, this sermon's not for me because I give money to the United Way and whatever way there is, I give money. If your motivation isn't love and it doesn't come from God, your reward is that you did a good thing. This stuff's got to come from a heart where God is prompting you to do what it is, and you get it in terms of your relationship with Him, not just giving money away. James chapter 2. Now, listen to this scenario. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings, fine apparel, there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, Oh, sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, Will you stand over there or sit here at my footstool? Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Look at verse 5, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. In John chapter 12, it's before the Passover, this woman Mary, in verse 3, Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now Judas Iscariot's all concerned about the poor. He's a thief for God's sake. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. He was stealing from Jesus himself. You know why you got a problem? You're doing the same thing. Oh, Judas, what a terrible person. You got the box now. Supposedly your money's not your money anymore. And God says, okay, you know what we're doing today? We're blessing this person. You say, well, no, no, that's not what we're doing. All worried about the poor. I'll tell you how you worry about the poor. You do something about it. Judas didn't want to do anything for the poor. He wasn't concerned about the poor. He wouldn't have as big a till to take out of. Because if he's skimming and there's 300 denarii more in there, whoa, I can make some money off of this deal. Let's sell the perfume. Jesus doesn't need it. James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now look at verse 15. Very carefully these words. If a brother or sister, this isn't strangers, this is spiritual family. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. What are you talking about? God bless you. Have a wonderful week. They're going to have a wonderful week. They don't have any clothes and food. Are you crazy? God bless you. So sorry we can't help. We've got a brunch appointment. Depart in peace. Be warm and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Listen to the Statue of Liberty. This ought to be out on churches, not some statue coming to this country. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That ought to be the cry of the church. Look at Matthew 25. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but think about this stuff when we read this. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, the sheep, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for You from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and You gave me food. I was thirsty, and You gave me drink. I was a stranger, You took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. And the sheep say, what?" Then the righteous will answer saying, "What are you talking about, Lord, when did we see you hungry? See, we say, "Well, if it was Jesus, I would help him. You know what Jesus said? It was me." Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, prison, and didn't minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And those will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Matthew 5.3 says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's blessed to be spiritually poor. One thing to be poor in spirit, quite another to be spiritually poor. Without Jesus, you're not just poor, you are busted, you are broke, you are bankrupt
0: before richard comes back to wrap things up for us today i'd like to share a couple important things with you let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website richardellistalks.com you'll find today's talk right there in the talks page along with all of richard's messages you can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too you'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out. Richard
1: Talks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. The last verse I want to read is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through 9. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The God of the universe says we got to go after him. Jesus, you're it before the foundation of the world. It's decided you'll be the one. How do you leave heaven and come here if not for love? Born of a virgin, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, is buried, raised from the dead, a simple carpenter. He became poor that we might become rich. Not in material things necessarily, but if you are rich in material things, you are nothing but a steward. You own nothing. You are a slave. It's all his. Thanks for tuning in today
0: to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.